0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
1: Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. Uh, today, our podcast is sponsored by the good folks at Dynasty Owner. Appreciate their sponsorship. My uh, co-host guest today is uh, none other than Jake Seely from the Athletic, uh, operator of the Flex uh, Expert Leagues as well. Jake, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing terrific. How are you doing? I'm a little bit tired of a
2: weekend, but I'm doing really well.
1: Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say, this has been a very hectic weekend for you. Usually you're traveling. Uh, now it's all online this year because of two, t- 2020, but uh, everything uh, seems to be going smoothly. I'm in the uh, best ball flex league that's still ongoing, but how did everything go this weekend?
2: Oh, it went terrific. Yeah, SiriusXM did a great job as always. Everybody participating did a great job, a lot of fun. You did a lot of Zoom for the other four that weren't the best ball that kind of virtually get together which was fun like seeing everybody's faces and just chat and stuff like that and there were some amusing points to her but it was kind of a real tell on like what the industry is actually thinking draft wise so it was a lot of fun to see it actually put into action yeah
1: we all have our bubbles uh you know we talk you know whether it's on twitter or just in within your own company but then you know you don't get exposed to everybody's work it's just impossible to keep up with everybody uh and you start seeing some aberrant uh, not all right uh, draft choices, uh, strategies they might not have seen otherwise. So I like seeing that.
2: Yeah, that's always the best part about it. And then, you know, the auction was kind of the funny thing about the auction was like it was almost the most respectful auction I've seen so far. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, we're just kind of kind of stick to the values that everybody pretty much has and nothing's going to go too crazy. It's like, like there's nothing really like that insane, which is the weirdest probably the weirdest auction I've ever been a part of.
1: Yeah. Uh that is uh, and the thing about football auctions that I've noticed is You know, baseball, you kind of have a general idea where guys can go. But in football, I I think there's a lot more variance. Uh, If people are deciding they're going to spend big on the big guys, well, okay, here we go. Buckle in, you know, and sometimes you'll get some pretty hefty bids on the top backs and all that. Other, Other times you got you get a room full of people saving money. I feel like there's a lot more variance in football auctions than our baseball auctions.
2: I completely agree with you. And that's, you know, a lot of people ask me that every single year with the column where I have the auction values and they're like, well, should I get this person, this person, this value? And you have somebody at 54, you know, should I go all the way up to 54? But to your point, like baseball, you know, you see very little variance in football. A few picks skew the entire draft room. Uh, you know, I've made the, co- the comparison before. I kind of compare, like, I compare it to a speed limit and I know it's supposed to be the limit, but we all know people's speed, but I use it as it's, it's a guide. Like if right. everybody starts going 63 miles an hour in a 55, most everybody's going to keep with the traffic and go with it. If it's pouring down rain and everybody's going under the speed limit. And that's what I'm saying is like, depending on your draft room, to your point, if the top 10 running backs are all of a sudden going 10, 20% over the, tr- you know, the normal value, you're either going to have to adjust and jump in, or you're going to have to find your values elsewhere and maybe go wide receiver heavy. So it's going to depend on every single one. I would say you're 100 percent right. Fancy football. Use auction prices as a guide. Don't use it as a Bible.
1: Yeah. And I would say try to keep it relative to position you know, and that, yes. that's going to have a, that's going to help you at least a little bit, but if you really want to add some variance, throw it, make it a super flex auction and you'll really oh, yes. see it just all over <laughs> the map. Uh, but uh, I do a league with Brad Evans every year. Usually we do it in Vegas, uh, this year, not so much, but, uh, you know, it's, and there's a bunch of rotowire guys and Yahoo guys in it and, some, and friends of Brad and you know, the, it's a super flex auction and it's like multiple flex spots too it's it's crazy uh but it's it's great though because you know there's no you know, one price from one year does not carry over to the other
2: at all No, that's always interesting too. And then I love to see super flex auctions because even like the flex auction is only single quarterback. We haven't quite got there yet. We do have the two super flex leagues, but you know, the perfect example is Mahomes and uh, Lamar Jackson went for 20. And then we had Dak at 10 and then everybody else was single digits. And we had a whole bunch of like threes, twos, and ones of the Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones of the world. It's like, this just shouldn't be happening. So Uh, yeah, I would love to see more Superflex auctions. We, we're, it's funny, at the industry, we're getting people to Superflex, we're getting people to auctions, but we really haven't gotten to both yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, baby steps, we're getting there, getting there. I love that you had two Superflex drafts. That's good. Uh, just, and like fish, Scott Fishbowl is always uh, Superflex, plus all sorts of other variations, which I also <laughs> yeah. like too. Um, you know, hey, give me different ways to play. You know, instead, another expert league. Okay, great. You know, give me something different. <laughs>
2: another 16 round one quarterback one flex you know half point pever full point beaver, yeah okay i've done this draft a million times yeah
1: i've always argued that fantasy football gets it wrong that uh unless you do super flex you know the, the most important position in real life is is quarterback yet in our league we devalue all but like the top 5 quarterbacks
2: uh, and that the, it's not even just the value in them. It's the value in the position too. You're a hundred percent right. Because last year is perfect example. Like Jameis Winston, the typical league undrafted. And I'm not saying that's going to happen every year. Oh wait, no, it does happen every year because we do have yeah. two or three quarterbacks outside the top 15 that end up as top 10 quarterbacks year in and year out. And you know, for everybody that gets frustrated that oh, you know, I was doing so well, and then he just picked up blank and did you know ran roughshod, or he just did this. And Lamar Jackson last year was an eighth round pick. You're like, yes, yeah, yes, we need to bring back value, a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll put, keep pushing for that. Uh, if we can get uh, Greg and Tom over at the NFFC to do a super flex, uh more super flex stuff like that, then I think we'll we'll really start pushing those borders. But uh, until then, we'll see. Uh, t- Today is opt-out day uh, for the NFL. It's a deadline is uh, four o'clock Eastern uh, where players can opt out uh, due to uh, COVID-19. We've already seen another one this morning. Uh, Albert Wilson uh, for the uh, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins, one of uh, a a sneaky late round pick for people and especially in best balls or super deep drafts Uh, goes along with Alan Hearns. Both of those guys now opted out all of a sudden this Miami receiving core is a little thin.
2: Yeah. And it actually, it kills me multiple ways. Is one, uh, as you mentioned, best balls, like before we talked on the show, like Albert Wilson's always a fun best ball to take a flyer on because we've seen how productive he can be. But at the same time, I was one of the people that was campaigning. Like we stopped disrespecting Devonte Parker. Look, I understand he's not going to be the second best wide receiver behind Michael Thomas from mm-hmm. weeks four on like, I understand he's probably not even going to be a wide receiver one with the concern of what's happening at quarterback, but for him to be falling into the mid twenties and even late twenties was just absurd to me. He needed to be top 20, potentially top 15 still. Like we waited and waited and waited and we got this first round pedigree to finally break out. And everybody's still like, well, I don't know if I want to get into one. And then the argument is, well, it's because of Preston Williams. Well then why is it Preston Williams (laughs) being drafted higher? So it's funny that this, this, these opt outs double is double edged sword. We lose Albert Wilson and best balls and deep flyers, but we also have now lost the value from drafting early. On Devonte Parker and Preston Williams because it's going to force people to get on board, similar to Damian Williams with Clyde Edwards Sillier, it forces people to come on if you were getting the value earlier in drafts. Yeah, that's right. Uh, although I'll say one thing is, uh, you know, in regards
1: to Parker, I think it also speaks to the depth at the wide receiver position. You know, if you know, wide receivers nine through twenty five. You know, yeah. it, there, you can you know, take them in a bag, shake them up and, you know, you can't completely change the order. But one guy who might have Keenan Allen at 25 and mother, another might have him at 15. You know, it's not really that <laughs> out of the blue to see that. You know, I, I think it starts with like, you know, after Allen Robinson, for me, at least there's there's like, OK, there's some separation from that from that first top. those top two tiers. But after that, I mean, there's all sorts of receivers you can get in that group.
2: It's funny. You just said that because, uh, for the athletic podcast I just did today, we were just talking about the, Keenan Allen because I got him in the auction. We were talking about that very thing. And I was saying I was Brandon Funston has him down in like the twenties. And I was like, I, how do you not have him still close to top 15? Even with the decrease, he's been top 10, top 10, top 10. I get the concerns of quarterback. Tyrod is not that bad. Philip rivers is just coming off one of his worst seasons to date. So it's funny though, because the point you just made was like, but I also get it at the same time because I mean, depending on who's your rankings are, but you just mentioned it from my wide receiver nine down to wide receiver 24 is a gap of 20 fantasy points. That's it. That's barely over a point per week, two touchdowns and a couple extra yards or 150 yards and one touchdown. Like all of a sudden you move guys 15 spots. So I'm completely with you on that. It's funny to sit there and say like, he's being disrespected, but at the same time, you know, it's such a slim margin of what that gap is.
1: Yeah, and to, and to that point, uh, the NFFC uh, RotoWire Online Championship, Keenan Allen is wide receiver twenty three, Parker is wide receiver twenty
2: five,
1: but it's picks yeah, fifty three so and fifty eight. You know, it's like
2: eh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. It's I have so much of them so far, though. I'll I'll, I'll happily keep taking both of them. Yeah. So uh,
1: on the flip side, is there somewhere in that someone, is there a wide receiver in that uh, grouping that you're fading actively? Like you think, okay, he shouldn't belong there. He's going way too high.
2: Uh, for two reasons is one is what you just said is because of this group, I don't feel like you need to take him where he's going. And then two is the offense, the quarterback, what's going to happen. And it's DJ Moore. like I, I, it's similar to my argument of Aaron Jones. I love the talent. I can love the player and not like the situation. Uh-huh. My concern is, and I know if anybody's going to help do it, it's Joe Brady. I think that's overlooked a little bit. we people forget that the, the LSU innovator just came over with Matt rule. Uh, but you know Teddy Bridgewater needs to throw like 600 times for DJ Moore to hit wide receiver one value, and people are taking him right there. They're taking him around wide receiver 11, 12, and if you're talking about how big this group is of the Terry McLaurins of the world, you tell me there's a big difference between McLaurin and DJ Moore or DJ Chark or Keenan Allen or Mike. Like again, you can you can make the case. I just made the case of Parker. So if you could argue for anybody, but to take Moore as high as he's going when you have all these options, that's why I just can't do it because. It's not just Teddy has to throw 600. He has to throw 600 because of his style. He actually yeah. just played for the Saints and decreased in yards per attempt and completion. Like he was on the Saints, everybody. And again, I understand is that a great a feature, situation. though, not a
1: bug. Um, yeah. is, that's that's I mean, kind of the Saints offense right now
2: it not so much to the fact he was just playing with Michael Thomas, Ted Gid, Trent Smith and Jared cook. Like these guys aren't running all inside the 10 to 15. I I understand what you're saying, but my point was going to be, you take them from there. And yes, Mm -hmm. they added Robbie Anderson, but what's the top two weapons. The top two weapons are in the 10 to 15 yard range. So I don't see why it would get better is what I was going to say.
1: Oh, and I agree with you on that. And, you know, I, I, I think the case for Bridgewater for more is that, Oh, the Carolina defense is going to be terrible, which it probably will be terrible again. Even though they spent every draft pick on a, on a defensive player, <laughs> yeah. uh, literally. Uh, but you know, and you know they had key key losses over there, and they were really horrible last year. But yeah, the you know and the argument has been too that okay, bad defense equals more attempts. Sometimes that's true. Not always. Sometimes bad defense equals okay. We better play ball control. Make sure our defense isn't on the field as much.
2: A hundred percent. Like if you want to say, okay, let's say bad defense, and we know they're going to be down by two scores in the fourth quarter. Okay, cool. But like mm-hmm. you said, that that doesn't always come true. And I, I, I'm glad you pointed that out because I feel like people get caught up in that too much. You know, they're saying like, well, let's go for the Bengals, let's go for the Giants. You know, their offenses are going to have to play it. If you're talking about the Giants, I'm legitimately concerned. We're talking about Jason Garrett. What does Jason Garrett like to do? <laughs> Use the running back and slow things down. And the Cowboys have been one of the slower pace of plays offenses. So it's not it's not a whole true for every single team it's a great point that you just made
1: yeah uh, I mean how many how many passes do we really expect to have Bridgewater throw I mean and he's just never been a you don't think of gunslinger Teddy Bridgewater you think of manage the game Teddy Bridgewater
2: right and that was one of the bigger complaints about him coming out of college was the struggle with the deep ball and the accuracy with it so again that's not G.J. Moore's game to a, a complete degree but you know that comes into play with the entire offense yeah so uh yeah I, I, so I, I think i share your
1: concern about dj more love the player love the skills just don't i do question the volume and question like the quality at volume too for that matter um muhammad sanu is off the uh pup list he struggled last year after that uh confounding trade uh giving up a, <laughs> a high draft pick to, to get him last year and i guess that's neither here nor there whether it's not his fault that the the pats overvalued him in, a, in the trade market but what do we expect out of the Patriots passing game this year? I've, I kind of <laughs> look at them as like, oh, this is kind of a fantasy wasteland.
2: It, it kind of feels that way, but I feel like if I'm going to take a chance uh, for where Nikhil Harry is going – I'll happily do it. And where Muhammad Sanu is going, because in your typical draft, he's not even going right now. He's in the best balls in deep leagues is there's going to be somebody here because Cam Newton, for all the reports, the positive reports that we're seeing is that he's fine. They like, we had that doctor report that was in the newspaper, which I didn't even know those were still around. <laughs> it's just talking about how great he looked from his healing and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. You know, if Cam Newton's even 90 percent of what he was you know, this roster has a little bit of a similar construction to that last season with Carolina, where he finally had that uptick in accuracy because they stopped messing around with, Hey, let's give him the six, five guy who can't separate. And hopefully that'll work out. No, they started getting them guys could get open. So that's why I do like Edelman and Sanu. And I, I really think Sanu could be the sneaky value here. Like if you told me at the end of the year, Sanu was Edelman's heels and a clear number two on this team, it wouldn't shock me. I do think that Nikhil Harry is not done for after just one year. There's a reason he had the draft pedigree behind him. Right. Uh, but I think Sanu is definitely somebody that, even in your standard league, just throw a 14th rounder on him. If we get to week one and we know he's the number two and Nikhil Harry still hasn't developed, people are going to be kicking themselves for not getting a piece of him. It's super cheap. Sure. I, I think
1: it's. it's- one of life's rich ironies, though, that uh, forever Cam had to wait to get quality wide receivers, and then but <laughs> then he gets hurt. Then he goes to the pa- oh, he's fine. He's with the Pats. Oh, except Edelman's coming off something. Sanu's coming off something. Edelman's like thirty four. <laughs> uh, they, they they're having all these opt outs on the Pats. It's like oh, here we go again. Oh, but and- uh, still.
2: And the thing I just wrote about Edelman and I found out, I looked this up, so his, his separation has decreased the past three years and yep. his drops, drop percentage has increased the past three years. So he's gone the opposite directions you would want to go in two of the most telling stats of he started to decline.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so to that end, you know, I, I've been, I think I got him in Fishbowl, but I think that's the only place I have him so far. Um, I, I'm pushing him well, well below where his, his ADP is for the most part.
2: Yeah, I am with you as well.
1: Uh, Quick note before we move on uh, from our friends at Dynasty Owner. If you've been looking for a new challenge, if you want to take advantage of Nikhil Harry or Mohamed Sanu in a Dynasty format, play Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football this season. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash Leagues are forming now that's dynastyowner.com/rotowire. We've all been using uh, we've all been in a league where the winner just got lucky. If you're like us, no better than most, Dynasty Owner gives you the platform to prove it. Dynasty Owner favors skilled players who can manage their roster using real NFL salaries within the salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. Go to dynastyowner.com/rotowire. Validate your fantasy football skills. That's valid- that's dynastyowner.com/rotowire. Dynasty Owner. Start your dynasty today i'm jeff erickson my guest here is jake Seely from the athletic from the flex uh, expert leagues so jake it, walk me through putting together the flex leagues first of all this is year what seven eight
2: eight 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 wow yeah i know i'm shocked too that's awesome yeah
1: <laughs> what mean, prompted I, like, you to
2: start it So it's funny, it's it's twofold. So I've always, since I've been in the industry a long time, I mean, this is actually my 10th year of being published, but you know, I was involved with doing my own blog and trying to get into the industry before that. So I've seen the expert leagues and you're part of one of the ones that like had my thought process to it is for fancy baseball. We have talent and labor. And since day one of when I started my career, like, why isn't there a league like this for football? Like, why are we, and it's not just like, it wasn't so much to even be like, Hey, I want to be tout wars. It was just like, we don't get together like baseball does. Like, it's fun to get together with the baseball guys and hang out and see these people. Like I never met you, Jeff in person until we went to tout wars. And like, we talk online, but we don't get to hang out. And that was my biggest thing is like, let's do this for football. Let's go hang out. We're drafting anyway. We're in these quote unquote expert leagues. Let's do them in person. So I did an article way back in the day. It was the top hundred players for fantasy with people in the industry, giving me their ranks. I combined them into an overall 100. And then I let people comment and saying who's too high, too low. And at the end of it, Jamie Eisenberg of CBS was like, Hey, we should get everybody in this in a league. And I was like, dude, I've been trying to do this for years. So uh, Dave Gano's helped a little bit. Nando got me set up in this bar in New York. The I forget it was like the Hiberian or something. No, not that. I forget what it was. It was right. something out there. And we did it live, two drafts in a bar in New York for the very first year. And then we got Sirius XM on board the next year and just continually progress because everything's online this year and nothing's in person. It went from three leagues to everybody said yes this year. Like you, you yeah. across country. It's a long trip. And so it's five leagues with a best ball in 60 teams. And it's just, it grew and it's just amazing to see where it is at this point. Yeah, it's, it is. And you know, it's, it's awesome. And I
1: want to be able to do the live one eventually too. My my big problem is just timing. That like Kids going back to school, yes. uh, you, know, cro- you know, geography being on the west coast, and you know, I have a golf trip every year in in, in or, you know August <laughs> and all that. And I'm not willing to give that up. We've been going for like 25 years, so although we had to give it up this year, so I guess yeah, everything changes in 2020. But right, uh, you know, it, it's but it's okay. I mean, the thing is, uh, I, I I totally agree with you though on the concept of putting. Faces to names, and you know sometimes people get these petty beefs on Twitter. But if you you see someone in person, you talk to them, have have a beverage of your choice uh, with with them, and all of a sudden you know things get kind of evened out a little bit there too, and you know you, get, you form <laughs> these bonds.
2: A hundred percent. I'm laughing because I work with someone. So Michael Salfino, like if yes. you've ever tweeted with him, you would think he's like <laughs> the biggest jerk in the world. And then you hang out and talk with him in person. Is like, this is a great conversation. Like, yes, exactly. A hundred percent. I'm with you on that. <laughs>
1: I have never been in a Twitter conversation. No, I can't even finish that sentence there. But uh, yeah. Uh, but um, Mike is, he stirs the pot on Twitter. Let's just leave it at that. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly.
2: But, oh, And live drafts are a blast too. And live auctions are even better. Oh, the live auctions are always the best. If you want to get some things that probably can't get aired <laughs> so like, live auctions are the best, the most angriest you'll get people. like I, Hey, I was telling Greg Barfield, I hated him on the zoom calls. Like, yeah, I hate you. Like, cause he got me twice. And that's, that's the most fun. Like it's sniping, but it's like sniping to the nth degree because it's an auction. <laughs> Right.
1: Exactly. And, you know, and you start to get and you start to get this recurring uh, group. You start playing in the same leagues together year after year, start to know their their tendencies a little bit more. You know, all oh, of you, you know, Brad Evans loves David Montgomery. OK, we know this. You know, and he's going to he's going to wear his heart on his sleeve on the players that he goes for. His guys are his guys. Other people are a little bit more circumspect. Uh, others, you know, will just sit back and let the room come to him. Scott Pianowski, on the other hand, is, is awesome at taking value from an auction and yes. Yeah. And that's his style. I love it. I love the variance in style.
2: It's always great to see that just goes to what we kind of preach as an industry every single year is whether it is snake or auction is know your draft room. And you kind of, this definitely makes it, I think that's part of the reason the auction was so I call, I called it quote unquote respectable is because we know each other so well, we kind of know where to look for the values. And it's almost, it's, you gotta be even sleuthier if I just make that a word, (laughs) Uh, because there are very few ones out like Colton, the Wolfman, we know they love the Cowboys, but they're not going to be dumb about it. Like they're, they're going to try and get their Cowboys, but they're not going to keep going and going and going until it makes no sense. Same thing with them and the Yankees and stuff like that. And you see like you tout wars, what you guys created over there, you know, sitting back. And I remember my, it's so funny. The very first time I did an auction for Tout wars, I was legitimately nervous because, this is like, sure. you know, this is like I don't know what to expect from some of these guys in the auction, but it, it's just a fun experience. Exactly. So describe your style when you're drafting. What is the Jake C.
1: Seeley style except for devaluing <laughs> kickers? We know that's your brand. But other than that, what is your brand?
2: <laughs> Yeah, Band kickers to a hundred percent. Um mine it's just gonna sound like I'm not straddling the fence, it's just a hundred percent, is I just go in and look where the value is going to end up. And I say that in the fact of but for example is I don't like Like if you had a snake draft, you would never see me come out of the team that I just came out with in the flex auction, because it's, it's, I would call it modified zero RB. My number one running back is Chris Carson. I actually love the value I got on him, but number two is Darius guys. And then my bench is littered with five or six running backs that are in timeshares, potential breakouts. But It's, it's kind of modified zero running back. I don't do that. I am bell cow for life. I will always take a running back in the first round or second round. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do I not take one in the first round, but the value is with wide receiver. And so, you know, Thomas went for 48. I don't ever draft Kelsey and he went for 26. And then I got Keenan Allen just talking about for 18 and I ended up going, well, you know what? I have three stud wide receivers, Kelsey. And so I essentially have four stud wide receivers and I had to, you know, modify on the fly. And that's where I go And again. like. I don't want to not give away a strategy, but that is my strategy is learn your draft room and adapt to it very quickly. Like, even if you think, you know, everybody, that doesn't mean that's necessarily how it's going to happen. I'll go back to, again, the tout wars and the, and the, even the, um, the labor draft this year is I don't like spending a lot on pitching, but the value is at pitching. That's where I ended up spending more of my money than I expected to, because they were going so cheap. So my biggest advice to everybody is don't go in with a preset plan look for the weaknesses in the auction draft and attack them, even if it's a roster that you wouldn't normally construct in a snake draft.
1: One of the things I like to do in an auction is throw out a player of a key category, key type. Uh, so in, in baseball, I'll throw out a closer, like, cause I want to define the closer market. I want to know exactly yes. what what it's going to be football. It's a little trickier, but like, you know, I'll throw out one of the elite tight ends or I'll throw out a quarterback. I want to know pretty quickly OK, are people going to you know, and this is a super flex league where I throw out a quarterback I wouldn't do it in a one quarterback league. But uh, I want to know, OK, what's the is the room going to be spending on this or not? And yes. usually you get you can get a pretty good answer. Sometimes that first guy of the shoe can be an outlier anyhow. But otherwise, I, I like to define and that'll help me kind of adjust on the fly, too.
2: Yeah, that's I threw out for that kind of point to another degree is I threw out Clyde Edwards Hilaire early because it was like, all right, I want to see where the hyped players are going to go. Like, let's see, you know, the industry buzz has been on Edwards Hilaire, obviously after the Damian Williams hopped out. But there's other industry buzz players like Anthony Miller late. Like, and there's a lot of people in the industry that like Anthony Miller and been trying to push up his value. You, you kind of throw out the buzzy names and see where they go, and that kind of gives you a good basis too. And then I'll throw out like a little nugget of a strategy that I like to do is. You you'll see in auctions you'll see mini runs where uh, the perfect example is this one like Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, Odell Beckham like a lot of them is, you started getting that group that you were talking about before those wide receivers right. like nine through twenty a lot of them started coming off the board and when you see that. What I like to do is kind of go and say, all right, well, now I'll go throw out Christian Kirk for two bucks and kind of like maybe I get him for two bucks just because everybody's so thrown off from the like the flow. They're like, oh, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to spend on Christian Kirk yet because this is what the wide receivers are doing. And you can kind of you can kind of sneak in values here and there if you do that. Right. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Uh, I'm in a deep auction league, the Rotowire Stake League, where we have a steak dinner uh, side bet, uh, you know, based on total points for the season. And that's why we call it the Stake League. But um, it's a deep league. It's like 14 teams. It's IDP also, but only three, like one one defensive lineman, one linebacker, one defensive back. Although those definitions are getting increasingly blurred. But anyhow, I like to throw out one of those guys early, too, just to kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. I got to start thinking of that. Throw people off a little bit.
2: Yep. And, and I will say if you're trying to throw people off too, is don't be afraid that like, Hey, that might be a guy you just take anyway. Like if you're, if if you're like in there, like, Oh, well I'm going to throw out Mike Evans because he's in that group of wide receivers where I don't see the need to spend. And you know, I don't, I'm a little bit concerned about Tom Brady being there or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden Mike Evans kind of stalls out at like 16 bucks. Don't be afraid to just get, you know, take them like you, you, just because you don't like somebody doesn't always mean it's not necessarily going to surprise you in a value.
1: Right. Right. I mean, you don't want to get stuck in a slew of those guys. You want to have your guys, too. You can't be completely agnostic. Uh, But at the same time, yeah, if you see it like, uh, okay, well, I didn't I thought the room, you know, the whole room agrees with me that he's not a twenty five dollar player. But guess what? He's probably a twenty dollar player. I better I'll take him at sixteen.
2: Yep. A hundred percent. Oh, and I forgot one more. And you know, this as well as anybody, especially from the baseball side of things is whether or not you're a fan of tiers. Uh, like I think people can get a little bit too hung up in tiers, especially mm-hmm. in stake, uh, because you kind of ignore a value that might be elsewhere, but they are important and a little bit more importance in auction for the fact that uh, about this point is don't get stuck bidding on one or two in all tier that are left. And you need that player. Like, right. If you're like, you know, you need an RB2, and all of a sudden there's only two guys left you're going to end up overpaying. And the perfect example, and the only reason I bring this up is because they already mentioned that they made the mistake and they hate making the mistake. And that's Colton, the Wolfman, Rick Wolf was being interviewed and he said, we always have like big three mistakes that we don't want to make. And he goes, we made all three of them. And one (laughs) of them was, he said one of them was bidding on a guy in the last of our group. And it was Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon went for 50 bucks. Alvin Kamara went for 50 or 49. Barkley was 55, 56. And so they ended up overpaying because it was the last in the group and they had to go get an RB one.
1: Right. You you never want to be in a have to be. My, my favorite thing is when, especially in the middle tiers, there's three guys you like, but you might, might like one better than the other. So you kind of wait on that guy, but he doesn't come up first. Some, you know, the third guy comes up first. Yes. And he, and he's like four bucks below value or he's even at value. Just take the value. You know, even though you you (laughs) may like the other guy better, someone else obviously does too. And you're gonna, he's gonna get priced up.
2: Can I, can I say, I'm gonna say one more that you're good. oh, you'll love this. Is don't think you're the only person that notices somebody still on the board. Right, like, I love that. Like I love that all the time because, and it goes to what the point that you just made because people will save that money for that player thinking the other 11 or 15 or however many owners there are doesn't see that same player. And that's what happened in this draft with Nick Chubb. And I even called out the draft room for it. And I was like, so Nick Chubb was the only one left in the RB one tier. Most of the RB two tier was gone. And I'm sitting there and we're, I, I said it on the zoom. I was like, why is everybody pretending like you don't know Nick Chubb is there? Like, and then and like half the room laughed. It's because everybody knows you're not fooling everybody. Right. But it goes to what you just said: is if you save your money thinking you're going to get Nick Chubb and fool everybody, you're not. And then often you miss, like you just said, a value because you're waiting for that one player.
1: Yeah. Pull off the band aid. Nominate him right away. Um, yep. Get them out there and let it, let it breathe. If you get them, you get them, but at least you know and you can move on. Otherwise, you can plan accordingly. Uh, I think that that's, that's, I think that's a great point. Uh, quick note from our, fr- our friends at FanDraft. Uh, take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes your draft feel like the actual NFL draft, although the Vikings will make their pick on time on this one, with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, Custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, and more. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts by exporting the display via projector or onto a large-screen TV for the league to enjoy. It can also be used fully online, and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. You can perform both traditional and auction-style drafts. FanDraft also supports IDPs, Rookie-only drafts, keepers, and just about any other customization to meet your league, league's requirements. You can use sign up for a free trial account at Fandraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, make sure to use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% off your, your purchase. Again, that's Fandraft.com and use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15%. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Jake Seeley from The Athletic and the Flex Expert Leagues. Jake, what's next for the flex leagues? Are you going to add like a dynasty league at some points, or keeper league of some
2: format? What's next? <laughs> Uh, I would love to do keeper. There, there's not enough industry keeper stuff is we're also one and done every single year. Uh, so that would be my first goal. Uh, dynasty. I mean, whether it's keeper or full dynasty, I would love to go that route. Uh, I won't do IDP unless everybody wants to do it because I just can't. <laughs> I, yeah. I got too much between baseball, scouting the college players and football that I myself, like once you get past like three IDP spots, I'm like, yeah, I need to look up some of these guys and trust on like the Gavin, da- Gary Davenport's of the world to help me out right. on those. Exactly. But I do, I do want to, and you know, I joked with uh, Fabiano on this network and I said, you're not invited next year because you're not going to come to the live show. Uh, same thing for you is like, we're at the point now where, and I know you being part of tout wars understand this. like, I didn't want to do online until we had officially got a footing because I didn't want everybody to opt, <laughs> opt out, <laughs> opt yeah. out of coming live to New York because we could do it all online. So we now will have a good best ball online league, probably have a second super flex, but that is the next step. Absolutely. I would love, I, you know, I don't know what your guys are thinking. Thank you for towers. I would love to have like a keeper or a dynasty in baseball as well to like you know hey, I got an amazing value last year, Don't you maybe lose it now? I don't have it next year right right like well, towers i I had the three
1: dollar Mike trout in his rookie year that was pretty oh, sassy God. and a l only um yeah, that would have been nice now, of course he wouldn't have gone for three dollars in a keeper, but uh that that's beside the point, but I still would have gotten a pretty good uh, bargain on him, but uh yeah. Uh, and and to your point, the other the, the other issues, and I know you've probably got the same issue as me is I'm in so many darn leagues. Uh, <laughs> I keep saying I need to cut, and then I add. And, and, you know, Derek Van Riper comes calling saying, "Hey, we're doing this Triple Crown baseball league, uh, one AL, one NL, one mix, and it goes to uh, support this food kitchen." I'm like, I can't say no to DVR. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can say no to DVR.
2: It's tough. It's not even that too, is I forget about some of the ones I'm in that I've already agreed to from past year. So I'll be like, Oh, I cut three leagues. So yeah, I can add this one. Like you said, like the DVR ass. I'll be like, Oh, I can add this one. And then I'm like, Oh shoot. I forgot. I'm in these, the other two. So I didn't really cut anything. Right,
1: right. Exactly. And you know, it, it's, but it's all for good cause, and uh, he does this thing for football called the pentathlon uh, you you were a part of that right yes uh, yeah the pentathlon's pentathlon. awesome
2: I, I call out Elliot Chris sabotaging us yeah <laughs> and, the, and the, what was it? the actual the, yeah the the, the superflex league he got us one point, otherwise we probably would have finished top three. thanks a lot Elliot love you so
1: i I have to give you grief though because you have a consortium. you didn't do it all yourself
2: oh no, well, that was also back in the day. <laughs> When I didn't necessarily have the the, the funds to, to to do it all ah, myself, yeah, yeah, that's a I, I was I was enlisting other people to take part gotcha. in the, the, the it. Okay, well that, that's fair.
1: I can't give you crap for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, like it's it's Survivor, it's uh, Pick and Pool. I love it. I love that that the the various ways we can play, and I, that's one of the things about our industry is, and that's why I asked you what's next. Is there it's becoming. A lot like baseball, too, in that there's so many different ways of play. There's not just a standard, okay, standard versus PPR, and that's it. No, there's super flex. There's the IDPs. There's, you know, let's add more flexes. That's fine. Let's do that. Let's go. You know, we can do the fishbowl where we can do, like, first downs and completions and, you know, serious negative points for interceptions and pick sixes. So that way Jameis isn't the top, a top five
2: fantasy <laughs> quarterback just because he wasn't a top five in real life a hundred percent like that's things like so i have an article on the site that says what are the best scoring system or, you know settings and all that type of stuff because people ask me that all the time and i say that in the am like i i think you know by knowing me at this point everybody who does know me at this point i am very impassioned about my opinions but i say the same thing to what you were just talking about i was like if you still want to play that like I hate band kickers. I will never join a league with kickers in it, and I never will play in one. And the only time I ever did, I left the spot empty on purpose. I still won the league. That was an industry league too. But if you want to play with them, go ahead. They're, because what you just said, Jeff, there are so many ways. There's a lot more flexibility than there is with fantasy baseball. If you like it, if you like points per first down, it kind of feels like PPR to me. I don't like giving out free points. I don't like the fact that a one yard run for a first down is more valuable than the nine yards to get you there. Right. But if you like it play it like that's what's fun about fantasy football is you can play it so many ways and it can be what you guys enjoy
1: yeah i think it's a it it is a good uh counterweight to ppr leagues though uh, i will say that that you know sometimes you get these cheesy three three yard dump off passes that's worth more than 10 yards no it's not really that's
2: it yeah no uh, well i'm 100 percent with so I'll give you examples so of the best scoring system that I have as I keep using my home league that we've kind of worked over the years and mm-hmm. we actually haven't changed it in the last three years. And I'm not saying I'm better than everybody else, but just, this is what I really like is it's not only half point PPR, but yes, back in the day when we started fantasy football, we pulled from the box scores 10 to one, really easy math, 25 to one, really easy math. But now I said, bring back the value in yardage. So we do a point and a half for 10 yards, a point and a half for 25 passing. People want more scoring. We'll give more value back to the yards, which is a lot of the production that gets you there and offsets some of that touchdown variance. So that's where I go is just bringing some more value back to the yardage.
1: Yeah, uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and I, I I do like like what Scott's doing with fishbowl too. Like, you know, you, you sure we'll, we'll give you, we're going to do points per, you know, he, he's got all these points that you can add. Okay. Yeah. We'll have points per completion, but negative points for attempts, negative, you know, negative four points for an interception minus six for a pick six. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I feel like I need a TI 84 to do his scoring in his league. Yeah. And the, the best part of it that is, it, it's fully resistant to, AD, uh, to ADP. You know, Drew Brees goes at the end of the first round in his in this in many of his drafts. Okay, that's interesting. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I like that, but I liked. I again steer into the difference. Have some fun with it there. And just Laura Michaels always used to say the that just give me the rules and I'll, I'll give it have a spreadsheet and figure out how to beat you. I mean, he would never complain about the rules. He just would, okay, just let me know what they are and every game is different.
2: Yeah, And you know what, if you don't like the league, you don't have to join it. Like I can, com- I complained about the tight end premium scoring in, in an article a couple of weeks ago, but like I said, if you still want to play it, go play. Like I I ended up in a league with tight end premium scoring. Cause I didn't know that's what it was when I joined. It was another industry one. Like you just talked about it, all these leagues that I didn't want to join and I didn't, you know what I adapted and I drafted and I drafted what I thought was a pretty bang up team. So uh, that's one of the bigger things too, is, you know, your casual leagues probably aren't going to do this, but the one thing that Scott fish does and what you just pointed, it out is that, you know, you, you make these interesting scoring changes and it throws out the easiness of it and makes you invest your intelligence and how much you, and now you really kind of get the like, all right, did I do a better job than everybody else? Or did I just run into a lot of luck?
1: Right. Exactly. And, you know, you, you can, Texas Hold'em is a very complicated, fun game, but sometimes it's good to play stud or play <laughs> Omaha okay. or do something else too. You know, learn a different game. Learn how to update accordingly there. Uh, we got one last uh, promotional note before we move on. I got some news about Kenny Galladay, but uh, before that, real quick auto new fantasy football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real GM. It's better fantasy football, auction based, deep rosters, and college player prospects. Stash the next rookie of the year while is still tearing up on Saturdays. Trade for superstars to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the Internet. Visit Otonew, that's O-T-T-O-N-E-U dot com today. O-T-T-O-N-E-U dot com. My guest is Jake Seely. Jake, one thing you mentioned, and before we get to Kenny Holiday real quick, is that you're also scouting the the college players.
2: Do you play college fantasy football? No, I used to, though. I I did, too. yeah, I used to back in the day. Uh, I played a couple different sites. The the ESPN one where you could just pick whoever you wanted every single week. And it's funny. This they almost kind of like had DFS before DFS was a thing. I don't. Did you ever play that one? That was that was an interesting one. Uh, you, yeah. That was really talented because you could go like you would pick the guys from like nobody knew like Toledo and like Arizona State and like all like the ones with like, David Johnson was back there in the day. Like those were the fun ones. But yeah, I did used to play. Uh, once it kind of went away, and then with my workload now, I, I don't any more i think i could probably get back into it just because i'm watching anyway to scout some of the players right um but but yeah it kind of do you still play i i just can't find it much anywhere i
1: i've dropped i had a great home league it was i mean it was insane it was uh 16 i know it was 20 i think it was 24 teams. Uh, we went 16 rounds. We had a, a keeper element. We had a recruiting element. You could, we, wow. so the recruiting element ended up being like, you would bid, uh, your, a draft, one of your draft picks for that incoming freshman, you know, Adrian Peterson actually was a first round, you know, someone used their first round pick. He thought, you know, the hype on him was there and it was justified and it worked out. So sometimes you see that sometimes it doesn't always work out, but you know, it, it so, you could get all into it because let's face it, some people are so into college football that, you know, they subscribe to all the recruiting services. They, they want to leverage that knowledge. And that's the whole point of fantasy is leveraging our knowledge. You know, it, we're gamers and we also love the particular sport.
2: Yeah, that's, I, that's so, I would love to have played on that. Cause that would have been fun. Like last year, somebody traded for Joe Burrow. Like, Hey, because before last year, nobody wanted them. They would have just right. you got him for free. That would have been like a, a throw in on a trade. Uh, so that, that, that's a really fun setup from the sound of it.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. But it requires involvement, right? I have kids, a heck of a lot. I, I I have kids. They're you know, and you know, foot, college football Saturdays became AYSO Saturdays. It's like all, all your Saturdays are occupied. I get it, and it's okay. It's I love the trade off. I love AYSO. I love coaching. Uh, coaching my kids has been one of the, the most rewarding experiences I've had. But you know, you only have so much bandwidth, and to me, yep. like being all in on college football had to go. I still watch as many as much as I can. But I can't be there just riveted 12 hours a day. I, there's other people in my life.
2: You know. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, all right, honey, I'll see you on Monday. <laughs>
1: uh, and since I already have my cushy gig of writing and talking about sports for a living and working on Sundays, you know, Saturdays kind of had to be the one, you know, I had to give that up. That's fine.
2: <laughs> it's a uh, smart move. Yeah,
1: <laughs> still married, uh, ironically enough there, but uh, so it goes. Uh, Kenny Galladay got uh, activated from the COVID list today. Uh, that's one. You know, they've had some good news with the Lions camp. Matthew uh, Stafford, you know, they, they said, oh, it was a, f- a false positive with him. He never had COVID. So the only guy left still is Hawkinson among that passing game. That's still on the list. You know, It's kind of interesting year two for Hawkinson. And, you know, this Matthew Stafford was really good before he got hurt last year. Where are you on this Lions passing offense?
2: Yeah. I've got a lot of pieces of this lions offense so far. And I actually did a best ball where I just got Marvin Jones and Hawkinson. And not that I always want to, but again, with the values there, the values there and best ball helps alleviate some of that to a degree, but I think Marvin Jones is getting enough industry love at the time or at this time mm-hmm. that we should focus a little bit more on Galladay. And I think people are forgetting about him. And then even with Marvin Jones, when he was out there healthy and even Hawkinson at the beginning of the year, when Stafford's out there and Galladay is just a monster. And I think if you're looking at somebody who could take that next step and where are Galladay kind of feels like a Murray Cooper right now, where he's going to be a little bit volatile. I feel like he's still taking that step where he could become into that conversation of an Allen Robinson a Keenan Allen back with Philip Rivers the one that you know you do get those giant games but now you see a little bit more of a floor where you know, I don't want to say quite Julio Jones but in that conversation of like he's right on that next tier and so I have gone on a lot of teams Hawkinson was my favorite I re- that was my breakout tight end article that I wrote it was about Hawkinson because it's not just what we saw in week 1 I, because I only bring that up because I was one of the people who pushed against him last Mm -hmm. year saying, let's not overreact to week one. He's still a rookie and all this. But the good news that came from Hawkinson, let's just even say, let's let's throw out week one and just take everything after that. Here's the good factors. He was on the field, the third most ahead of Amendola. He was targeted the fourth most behind Amendola. The on the field part about being a rookie tight end who can block tells you how much they trust him. And then if you want to talk about the metrics world, the people that love the metrics, he's in line with Darren Waller, Travis, Kelsey, Zach Ertz. And uh, who's the other one? I'm George Kittle. Those are where his metrics line up. I'm like yards per route run and separation and speed, all those. Stuff. So Hawkinson, I feel like as long as he's healthy, I'm not so concerned about the COVID. I'm concerned about the injury if he's healthy I think we'll be talking about Hawkinson as a top 10 tight end easy this year
1: yeah uh, and I I think you're right I like waiting on tight ends and getting him so uh, I'm with you on that so you like Hawkinson better than Noah Fant yes
2: yes clearly and For two reasons. One is I know he's going to be on the field all the time. Like, I would be surprised if his snap count isn't like 80% this year. Um, It was around 70 last year. And that's, again, as a rookie who can block. And I even said Noah Fant coming out of college was the better pass catcher. But it wasn't such a big gap that the pass blocking and then the opportunity in the offense. And you could say there's as many weapons in both offenses, but I don't think there are. I think Detroit, looking at their backfield, even with Swift, a little bit less, but also the person I trust more at quarterback is Stafford versus trying True. to project lock up, which a lot of people are doing. Yeah, I, I
1: agree with all those points, and then you add in fance drops last year, bad run blocker. You know that yep. keeps him off the field a little bit more. Not that you know you want your tight end to be doing run blocking. That's one of the things that's kind of, it could be annoying. Is like, why isn't he running more routes? Why is, you know, why is it it's, you get the O.J. Howard disease there where, you know. Oh,
2: God, yeah, please where, no.
1: <laughs> which which it was completely unfair. You know, it's was like, yes, because, you know, his teammate can't block. You know, he's the one that has to stay in and block. You know, it's just ugh, very frustrating. But uh, anyways, uh you know, th- that that side ran aside, you know, aside, you know, like yeah, I, Cameron Braid is just a bane of my existence. But whatever. At least he was last year. Uh, you know, that, that that's always the little hidden things you have to kind of dig into a little bit with these guys.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's where you find the little values and potential breakouts is finding these little nuggets and I'm, you're not the only one I'm not the dealing. There's millions of them out there and you can find articles. And that's why like that. That's the bad thing though. That's why sleepers don't exist anymore. You know, right. it's almost just, it's undervalued. You have to find the undervalued players.
1: Our industry is too good
2: it is it really is. I think Pianowski was the one that even said it last year. Is there is legitimately no such thing as a sleeper in here. If you want a sleeper, oh no, Salfino. To talk about Salfino so was the one. If you want to talk about a sleeper, that would be somebody like who did, he threw out it was a tight end for the Seahawks and it was like so far down the list. It was like the backup backup tight end. And I was like that's a sleeper. And I was like, you know what? He's got a point.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um so yeah, and that that is actually true uh and that's and then you get and then because we're so oriented that way and you get in like preseason football twitter where hey this seventh round pick for the Seahawks we love this guy oh and he gets cut <laughs> you know it's like <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes uh, every single year is all these values that we're missing but and also you know even on the positive side of you get these like second year or third year players or even first rounders that the industry talks up so much that they go from being undervalued or if you want to even call them sleepers to now they're overpriced and i'll give you the perfect example is i the biggest and i'm not saying this to like hey look at me i called it because i didn't think he was going to be that good to be clear but this is coming from a fan and that's why i want to say that is I'm a huge Terry McLaurin fan. I am now out on Terry McLaurin. Like you start taking him top 15 and I love Dwayne Haskins, but now like where's the potential return on investment at that point? Like, because so many people like the same player Mm that it often causes the price to skyrocket. And then you're, you've priced yourself out.
1: Yeah. Early on in best balls and other drafts, I was getting a lot of uh, McLaurin and a lot of DJ Chark. Uh, yep. and I can only get one of them now. Vlad sniped me on a uh, touchdown, uh, touchdown, Terry in the, uh, flex best ball here that we did, <laughs> Vlad Sedler, uh, and he's, I, I think I got him back later with uh, Hollywood Brown, but I got him back in a later round. So it's not as fulfilling.
2: No, but I, I do like the Hollywood Brown pick. Do you like it better hearing that he's added 23 pounds of muscle?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I like that. Oh, he's fully clear. No, no foot injuries this year. You know, it's year two. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to like about him. You know, he's still the primary guy in that in that passing offense. So, yeah, I like I, it a lot.
2: I, I think worst case is we're talking about Deshaun Jackson his prime, which Deshaun Jackson was one of the most frustrating wide receivers, except for two years where he only had about three or four bad games a year. And I think Marquise Brown can surprise a lot. Did you see that he kept the GPS with him to make sure he didn't lose speed while he was putting on muscle?
1: I did not see that. That's amazing. That's a great story. That,
2: I, that, I want, I want Hollywood Brown on all my teams now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, I and it's funny and rat and I'm doing Ras Bowl and I got sniped on him by one pick. So, yeah, at least I got him here and and I got Vlad in the process, which is always good, too. For buddy, I love so. your wide
2: receiver so far, by yeah. the way, speaking of which Hopkins, Chark, Marquise Brown and Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is your four. I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I was not unhappy about that at all. Uh, the other thing, the other trend I noticed real quick, and I know we got to go, but uh, Zeke Elliott has been dropping to four or five in a lot of these drafts lately. I got him at five in Rasbol and four in the Flex uh, Best Ball Draft. Uh, in one case, it was Michael Thomas, and this 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 Flex League though. It's been crazy. It was crazy running back early. Twelve of the top thirteen, and Thomas didn't even go till pick nine. Uh, it was a little bit different, but I did notice like some people are kind of like, I want Camaro over Zeke now, or and maybe even Ceh in some cases. It's it's kind of changing up a little bit.
2: I don't get it. I'm with you is I Zeke is definitively my number three. And actually my number four in front of Camara is Dalvin cook. Oh, uh, but you know, if you, you want to take Camara, I understand it, but I think you're banking on Camara having the touchdown fortune he did two years ago, which is funny because as much as we love Camara, we love the saints. We love that offense. The, even the biggest fans of Kamara said, Oh, he might be due for some touchdown regression. And of course nobody expected it to go as bad as it did last year. And there were some injuries involved, but we just said two years ago, that's a very high mark of a touchdown rate for a running back with his type of usage. And all of a sudden, people just want to kind of push him back up to like the three or even I've even seen him go in front of Barkley, which is just baffling to me. It's one, two, three for me. It's McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke. And I'm with you. If I can get Zeke at four or even five, I'm going to be doing dances around my living room every single time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be very happy with it. All of a sudden, five and six aren't such bad spots anymore. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny how the the league is all. Or in, in your case with Dalvin Cook, you were already thinking it was fine. So maybe seven is the bad spot now. Or, or you know, it's funny how that changes. Other people like being in the middle. So you know, it, it, I love how at the end of the day, you know, draft order it matters, but it matters less. And especially if you play the NFC, we get third round reversal. That all gets taken out of uh, anyhow.
2: Yep. Scott, Scott angles always said that every since the day I've known him is you can win from any draft spot in your league.
1: Yep. That's right. I do agree with you on that. Jake, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking so much of your time. I know you had another pod earlier today. You're, you're busy as heck, just like everybody (laughs) in this industry, especially today. So I appreciate the the time and it was a lot of fun with the conversation. Oh, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. What do you got going on next at the, for the athletic.
2: Oh uh, yeah. The athletic fantasy football podcast with a friend of your brand funston, Michael Beller. We do that Mondays and Wednesdays right now. And then like I said, I just dropped the article. So I did this is I mentioned I like, I would take Chris Carson over Kenyon Drake in my own drafts. And a lot of people disagree, but somebody said, well, what does that mean for your rankings? Cause you have Drake higher. So I did my eight players where I don't like my projections as much as they would suggest. And so it was a kind of like an interesting right. dive of like, they're not going to end up on my team, even though they're, they're projected high.
1: I'll be good. I'll have to check that out uh, because I think anybody that does projections runs into that issue all the time. So I, I definitely will look forward to seeing that. I uh, want to thank uh, our our uh, sponsors, uh, D- Dynasty Owners and uh, Owners Box, and uh, or dra- I should say Draft. Uh, you know, I'll actually, give, let me give them proper credit here. There's so <laughs> many uh, sponsors here, and I'm, I think I'm conflating them here. But uh, uh, on AutoNew, I, I know for sure, uh, and I want to thank uh, D- Dynasty Owner, who is our primary sponsor for this month, and also FanDraft as well for their draft board. Uh, thank you. Really do appreciate the sponsorship. Please Subscribe.